Good morning. Should we just pray as we come together, and then we'll explain what we're going to do during this time for young people as well, uh, what there is. So let's just pray. Father God, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your amazing love that we have just sung about. Pray that as we come to look at this passage together now, we'll experience something of your love. We'll see again how much you love each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And the young people are desperate to get started. There should be some worksheets over there, plenty of pens. Just enjoy yourselves while we're over here. So this summer, we're thinking, aren't we, about the theme of running. I think Tim's called it running the race set before us. How do we run the race? How do we keep going in the Christian journey of faith? As I was preparing this, I remember talking about the theme of running the race before in a school context and talking about with the children how I might prepare to run a marathon. Well, some of the children in the school found that mildly amusing. What, you run a marathon? And for the next five weeks, I had to face the school with the head teacher asking me if I'd put in for a marathon or even if I'd started my training. I think that's something I'd like to do one day, but not on my list of priorities at the moment. So far, we've thought about how we keep going in the race, running and not growing weary, how God's power that helps us to keep going. And last week, how by running to Jesus, we can find welcome, forgiveness, restoration, and newness of life. And this week, we're looking at probably one of the most well-known stories of the gospel, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. One of three things, stories about things that were lost and then found in Luke's gospels. There was the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Well, some of us might think, well, I've read this story before, I know this story, but just because it's well-known... One of those which is, it's one of those which is really worth coming back to, to remind us of the wonderful truths of the gospel. So this morning, as we come to look at the Father and the Son, as we come to think about the running Father and the pardon for God's people, let's see again the good news it tells us about our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Well, I'm going to look at this parable this morning and think about running in three different ways. The first one, running away. The second one, running on empty. And the third one, running to meet us. Running away, running on empty, and running to meet us. So firstly, running away. And do keep the passage open in front of you if you want on page 1049 as we look through it together. Well, first, the, father, the parable begins, doesn't he, with the son who says to his father one day, Father, give me a share of my estates. We're not instantly told why it is the son wants his share up front. But culturally, this would have shocked some of that audience of Jesus. See, taking your share early meant that you were likely to sell your share. And in selling your share from your family, that would bring shame on your family. It shows the extraordinary nature of the father in the first place. See, a father would be fairly reluctant to bring shame on his family. He probably wouldn't want to give over that share quite so easily. But he does. And it's the next verse we see the son's motive. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a different country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The son runs away. He leaves the family things behind and runs away in search of something better. I wonder how often in life 
it's tempting to run off in a different direction. Sometimes, in search of something different and better, we run away. And at times, we can also be guilty of running away from God. I remember when I was first told by a group of people that I should go and explore becoming a vicar. The number of excuses that I made, that surely can't be the case. You can't be talking about me. See, I wanted to get away from that suggestion. I can't be a vicar. I've just got this brand new job that I've signed up for four years. That can't be the case. I can't be a vicar. I don't think I'm very good at listening to people. And one by one, God took away those excuses. But see, it started with me trying to run away from what God was calling me to do. And there's somewhere thinking that son there, he's running away from something, finding something better. So running away. Secondly, running on empty. So the youngest son runs away. And in the next verse, we see that the two, pro two problems strike. What does it say? After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Well, firstly, the money begins to run out. Well, the youngest son's running on empty now, and he's now finding life really difficult. But we see that as soon as one problem hits, along comes another. There was this severe famine in the country. I don't know what situation you've come in here this morning, but how often do we find sometimes that once one thing goes wrong, another thing can quickly follow? And sometimes that's not even down to our fault. That was nothing to do with the sun that the famine hit. But sometimes another problem could just pile in on top. It was bad timing when he'd already spent all his money. And we see, following those two events, life doesn't seem to get any better. We see in verse 15 how he goes to work in a field feeding pigs. Here the sun hits rock bottom. See, for the Jewish audience in Jesus' day, feeding pigs was the bottom of all the jobs that he could have had. Pigs were unclean. They were not to be associated with. And the parable goes one step further by showing not only did he have this job, but see, he would, for food he would have even eaten the pods of the trees that was the pig's food. Life had got really far bottom for him. The sun has got as far bottom as he could go. He's running on empty. And in that situation, where can he go? Where can he run to? Well, those of us who know this story really well will know that soon he comes to his senses. He realizes he's going to go back to his father to say what's happened, to apologize, to seek forgiveness. But it's interesting to really see the words that the son uses. Look at verse 18. What does he say? I will set out and go back to my father. It's not, I'll set out and I'll go home. It's not, I'll set out and I'll go back to my village. The son knows that there's one person that he must return to. He must return to his father. Not a place or a building. Again, in verse 20, Jesus emphasizes, so he got up and he went to his father. It's important that we pick when we're in need. When we reach rock bottom, we know there's one person we can go to, one place we can run, and that's to the Father. So we've thought about running away. We've thought about running on empty. Finally, running to meet us. We see the reaction of the Father towards the Son in verse 20. 
What does it say? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father was looking out and as soon as he saw his son coming, he ran to meet him. Before the son even says a word, the father runs to meet him, hugs him and kisses him. This was the son who'd brought dishonour on the family by taking his inheritance early. That son who had reached rock bottom. What's he done? He's welcomed from a distance by his father with an overwhelming show of love. Even in the running to meet him, the father's putting his reputation on the line. I'm told to run towards his son. The father would probably have had to hitch up his robes, showing off his bare legs. This would have brought shame on him, but the relationship between him and his son was more important than that shame. But why also was it important for the father to meet him? I'm told that also bringing shame on the family, the villagers around that family may have decided to kill the son before he even reached the father's house. So by running out to meet the son, the father was protecting him. He was to make sure the son was not going to be killed, protect him from any penalty that he should have paid. So before the son even says a word, the father shows love and compassion towards his son. He runs to meet him, and as a response, the son asks him for forgiveness. Looks, look what happens to him next. He's given the best robe. A ring is put on his finger. Sandals are put on his feet. All these things show that the son is given a position back in the household. From running on empty to being back in the father's household. And I think that change is summed up in the way the father describes his son in verse 24. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Dead and alive. Lost and found. Extreme opposites. But it highlights the change that the son's gone through as a result of the father's love. So what's this tell us about God? Well, this morning we're thinking, aren't we, about the running father, the pardon for God's people. This is the good news. We can be forgiven for those things that we get wrong. We can turn it around. See, pardon is about how we are forgiven. All about how God forgives us. Well, firstly, I think it shows us God comes all the way to meet us. We don't have to go to a place. We can simply go to him. He is already looking out for us. That means wherever we are, God is there with us. And if we need him, wherever we are, God's looking out for us and will meet us in that moment. It doesn't have to be in a church for us to meet with God. We simply pray to him, Father, forgive me, and God meets with us. Secondly, it's also not about us being good enough. God loves us exactly as we are. See, that father in his story loved his son at the start before he divided his money. When he went away, the father was still looking out for him because he cared for him. And even when the son had reached rock bottom, the father still loved him. And so it is with God. God loves us no matter what we have done. He's longing for us to come before him, to turn to him and say, Father, I've sinned against you, I have done wrong. 
And he offers his pardon. He offers his forgiveness. Thirdly, God's forgiveness is unconditional. Look at the father's response to the son. He doesn't say, you can come back to my family as long as you pay that money back that I gave you right at the beginning. He makes no conditions on the son. He just pours out his love upon him. God is exactly the same, our heavenly father. His forgiveness is unconditional. He sent Jesus to die for us so that we can have that forgiveness. The price is already paid. And finally, God's forgiveness puts us into relationship with him, gives us that status. We're children of God. When we're forgiven, when our relationship with God is put right, we're in a right relationship with him, part of the family. See, throughout God's big story, from the beginning in the Bible to the end, we see that God longs for relationship with people. It's there right in the beginning. It's why God created people, for relationship. And God longs for that relationship with us. The things that we do wrong, what the Bible calls sin, damages our relationship with him. And when we come to him, seek his forgiveness, that relationship is restored. So I wonder this summer, how are we feeling? How is our relationship with God? Does it sometimes feel at times that we're running away? Does it sometimes feel like we're running on empty? Do we need to come to the Father and enable him to run to meet with us? See, God's forgiveness for others, for people like us, is like that Father in our story. It's unconditional. He longs for us to return, to embrace us with his love, to carry us home, no matter how bad it gets. I've just been away with the family this week at New Wine. Uh, we've just spent a whole week camping there. And while we were away, we sang this song in one of the mornings. It just hit me as I knew I was coming back to speak about this. A song called Reckless Love. Some of you might have come across it. And it sums out in the way in which God longs to forgive us. How God comes to meet each of us. And I'll finish with these words of the chorus and then we'll pray. It says this. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, it fights till I'm found, and it leaves the 99, in reference to those lost sheep in one of the other parables. This part, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's that amazing love, unending love, that amazing grace that we sang about just before this. How God longs to run as your Father, to meet with us, to offer forgiveness because he loves us so much. So let's just be still. Let's just ponder those things that we've heard this morning. Let's just be a space for us in our own hearts to come before God. I just thank him for his love. So I just seek him to ask him to meet with us here. Let's just be still and I will pray for us in a moment.